This podcast is the production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Every single person has to answer this question. Is there a being that exists outside of myself that we call God? And if that being exists, can he come into my life and affect me? I'm Dr. Sue Ellen Nolan, and this is my podcast, Authentic Faith in Life. I went to Mass yesterday morning. It just always amazes me. I love this church. Our church is so faithful and so awesome. And I was just overflowing as I was sitting there in Mass. You know, there's times in our lives when we are not in a state of grace. And we have to remember, what does it mean when you're in a state of grace? It means that you haven't committed a mortal sin. The difference between mortal and venial sin? Mortal sin separates us from the love of God. It's a choice we make. The reason we make that choice is because there's three things that constitute a sin. and and constitute a mortal sin. That is, full awareness of what we're doing, that it's wrong, so a properly formed conscience. Two is, it has to be a grave matter, has to be something serious, it's not like swearing. It has to be something bigger, like adultery or stealing or a serious sin. And thirdly, we have to choose to do it. That means our informed conscience understands that it is a sin, that it's wrong, and our human nature in natural law reveals to us that it is not something we should be participating in. It takes us from the good. Remember, we're created for the good. Yeah, we're created in the image and likeness of God. And what exactly does that mean in our Christian anthropology? It means that that image of God is that spirit within us. It's the spirit of God within us. We are so cut off from our spirit in today's society. We are taught to live in the level of the flesh. How many times a week do you think about your spirit or your soul? How many times a week do you do anything to feed your spirit or your soul? Compare that to how many times a week you feed the flesh. Our society in in the state of individualism is telling us that we need to focus on who we are and what we need and feed those passions of our flesh firstly and foremost. And we are completely socialized to deny our soul and the needs of our soul and our spirit. Created in the image and likeness of God means that our spirit images God the Father. God the Father, our creator. Our creator who called us into being out of love. God didn't need us in his life. But in order to share in the love that he has, because he is love, he created us created us little wee beings to commune with him, to be a part of his life, not because he needed us, but because we need him. We can live in that relationship of his love and the Trinitarian love. So being created in the image and likeness of God means that we image him in the fact that our spirit, our soul is good. God is the ultimate good and we are good within. Think about it. Everybody, no matter who they are, whether you're a thief, whether you're someone who does horrible things, regardless, you still have a desire to do the good within you. For the most, there are exceptions, psychopaths, sociopaths, but I'm talking about general human beings without pathology. We have a desire to do the good. The good resides within us. When we do the good and experience that feeling within us, we feel that communion with God. We feel that connection to God. We are made for the good. That's how we're created. 
St. Thomas Aquinas talks about our end in God. Part of the reason for the existence of our life is when we focus on that good within us, that good that is a sense of our being, that timeless, eternal goodness within us, we know ultimately we will end in that goodness. And when we end in that goodness, that gives us purpose and focus in life. Here are two examples of that goodness that I've experienced in my own life. The first one has to do with my daughter as she did competitive cheer. And we were in Daytona Beach during that particular weekend at a cheer event. And that early morning, of course, me and a couple of the moms and a couple of the girls were walking down the Daytona Beach Strip because we had to go to Walgreens because, of course, the girls needed hairspray. So it's early morning, beautiful morning on the beach, little hazy February morning, and off we go down the Strip. We get to Walgreens, we get our hairspray, we turn around and we're walking back. And as we're walking back, we get closer and closer to our hotel. And I notice out of the corner of my eye, a couple of people. All I notice is that they're kind of little and they're gray-haired, and they're pushing a shopping cart. What I don't realize, which the girls do, is that this little elderly couple has their shopping cart in front of a dumpster next to the hotel that we're staying in. Now the girls notice this and they're appalled. They can't believe that they're seeing the scene of this little normal-looking couple who are foraging in this dumpster next to a hotel on Daytona Beach Strip for food. We walk in the doors of our hotel. My daughter looks at me wide-eyed and says to me, Mom, can we bring them food? Of course, we say, of course. So the girls gather up some of the muffins and fresh fruit and juice, and they take it out to this couple. They come back in and the look on their faces is unforgettable. I can tell you those girls experienced helping and giving and the good in taking care of this little couple as they walked the beach looking for food. And to this day, those girls will not be able to tell you what happened at that cheer event, whether they won, what place they got. We could look it up and see, uh, but that's not in their memory. But they will never in their entire lives forget that experience of doing the good and serving this little couple and taking care of them. That's the good within us. That's how we're created good. And how when we acknowledge that good and we do good, we are in communion with God. That's what he wants from us. That's our life. And think about it. Even a thief doesn't want to be stolen from. That good resides within us. It can't be taken away. It's part of our soul. It's part of how we are made in the image of God. Here's the other story. Eight years ago when my mom passed away, I'd prayed for two years that she have a holy death. I was, of course, had no idea of what it would be like to lose my mom and couldn't imagine being on the other side of my loss and being that person, that grown-up, that woman, without a mother on this earth. It was a very painful but very awesome and incredible process in experiencing her death. But the thing that I noticed as I prayed for those two years, the thing that I noticed that happened in the moments of my mother's death was unexpected, incredible and again, revealed the good of God, that eternal good of God that can never be denied and that is real and it's the essence of what we're made of. In the moments after my mother's death, the room that we were in, me and my siblings and some nieces and nephews and cousins, the room that we were in was filled, filled with happiness, with love. The room was illuminated with love and it was an eternal love and I remember my brother turning to me and me looking at his face and saying these unexpected words, I feel so happy. 
It was an unbelievable thought and an unbelievable expression in the moment of my mother's passing. But it was true and it was real and it was authentic because my mother was tied up in that eternal goodness of God the Father, that that image that we're created in. And the gift that God gave us was that we experienced that in the moment of her passing. It was tremendous, it was profound, and it was amazing. We are made for the good, and the good resounds within us. It can't be denied, and when we focus on it, it changes our life. Now the likeness that we experience in being the image and likeness of God the Father in the Trinitarian love, that likeness is what we see Jesus model as he lived on earth in those 33 years. That's the likeness. So when we're created in the image and likeness of God, we know the good, we do the good, we desire the good. When we've turned from God, because remember, it's always us that turns. He never turns away from us. When we turn from God and commit mortal sin, again, with three requirements, we have to know that it is sin, that is grave sin. It has to be grave sin, and we have to choose to do it anyway. Those are the things that constitute mortal sin. Well, as I went to Mass yesterday morning, it was so profound and so beautiful. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to receive communion that day, but I wanted to receive spiritual communion, so I attended Mass at the parish not very far from me. For right now, there's a priest and a deacon there presiding over Mass. And when it was time to receive communion, I walked towards the deacon. And as it is in Catholic tradition, because I wasn't in a state of grace and needed to find a priest for confession and hadn't gone to confession yet, I crossed my arms across my chest as a sign that I wanted to receive a blessing. It never fails for me to see the mercy of these ministers of God each time that I presented myself for a blessing instead of communion. Generally, it's a surprise to them because many people don't follow this tradition in the church because we're uninformed and unaware. But each and every time I've received the mercy of God through that blessing, this particular time, the deacon paused a minute in surprise, looked me in the eyes, raised his hand, and gave me a beautiful blessing, a beautiful blessing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I was so touched, I was moved to tears by his expression of love after he realized I was still coming to receive a blessing instead of communion. It's happened to me a few times. Again, I remember an older priest when I received a blessing instead of communion. Again, a hesitation and a surprise that someone's following the teachings of the church. And then just a love-filled blessing. They're so pleased to give me a blessing. Another time, I was not in a state of grace, but wanted to receive a blessing from a priest, a priest who is a well-known priest friend of mine. And as I approached the altar, he prepared to give me communion when he noticed my hands crossed across my chest and in his Irish broke said my name, gave me a blessing and gave me a quick little slap across the cheek. It was surprising, tender and hilarious. I also remember at the ordination of a good friend's son that I had the pleasure of being the first person as everyone received communion from him during his ordination. I was the first person to receive a blessing from him because at that point he wasn't in a state of grace. Now it sounds like I'm running around a lot of time not in a state of grace, which is not true. I go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation regularly and love it and will never stay away from it. It's profound, it's incredible, and Jesus always shows up in it. But there are times when I cannot get to a priest and I want to attend Mass. And when I attend Mass 
and as is the tradition of our church, we can receive a blessing instead from the hands of the priest or the deacon. I always make sure I'm in the line with a priest or a deacon when I'm going to receive a blessing and not receive communion. But this day, I was so struck. I was so struck by the mercy of that deacon and the love of God that I experienced in that moment, just receiving a blessing. And you know, I realized, I realized how uninformed we are and people out in our culture are so uninformed about the grace and the, and the blessings that are available in the map. It doesn't matter what we're struggling with. It doesn't matter what our sin is. It doesn't matter where we are. Jesus meets us exactly there. And I walked up and received a blessing, a blessing. It was so profound and there was so much mercy and I was so pleased. I will never not attend mass and not receive communion and miss out on a blessing. Now it's really important to put a scripture in here. Uh, it's Colossians 11:23. The scripture has to do with St. Paul talking about being in a state of grace, receiving communion. The scripture is one that I use when I'm teaching on Jesus and the Eucharist and how we can find it within scripture and it's so clear and it's so bold. But here's St. Paul talking to the Corinthians and really giving us clear insight into the early church's teaching in that first century Christianity and how important it was to be in a state of grace. There was an understanding of sin during that time and how we must be in a good state of grace in order to receive communion in order to partake of the Eucharist, in order to eat the bread, the manna, the body and blood of Christ. Here's the scripture, it's 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26, St. Paul speaking in the city of Corinth. Verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now there's St. Paul talking about what's been passed on to him. Remember, his, his trip into Christianity was a little different road and was well needed since he was a persecutor of the church and one that was present at the first martyrdom in scripture when St. Stephen was martyred. And we know Paul was involved in that to some degree. Saul at the time, we understand that his conversion happened. It was strong. It was profound. It was very mystical. We understand that he wasn't taught in the traditional way of the apostles who walked with Christ or the apostles as they taught their disciples afterwards, he was infused with knowledge, directly infused with knowledge. And he says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. So he's used this infused knowledge in order to continue his teaching. And then he goes on. In the same way also the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Here's verse 27. Very important. Little tidbit here in scripture. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily will have to answer for the body and blood of the Lord. A person should examine himself and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many among you are ill and infirm, and a considerable number are dying. 
Okay, there's two huge statements in that scripture that are very important. I'm going to go through them again. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily will have to answer for the body and blood of the Lord. Unworthily. St. Paul is speaking clearly to the Corinthians there and saying, you must be in a state of grace when you eat this bread and drink this cup and participate in the Eucharistic communion. The second statement that he's making is profound. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. What the what the? For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Yep, those are the words you heard in there. Discerning the body. This is St. Paul speaking in Corinth, talking about discerning the body prior to eating and drinking in the Eucharistic communion. And he powerfully states, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are ill and infirm and a considerable number are dying. Ponder that a minute. Very powerful. What's he saying here exactly? We're going to cover that in a different teaching on Christ in Scripture, in the Eucharist. I want to close with this beautiful quote from Pope Francis that I have seen a few times. It goes like this, God never tires of forgiving us. We are the ones who tire of seeking his mercy. I'm Dr. Sue Ellen Nolan. Thank you for joining me on Authentic Faith in Life. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Dr. Sue Ellen Nolan at Authentic Faith in Life on the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. You can find out more about me and my workshops and speaking events at AuthenticFaithInLife.info.